You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas in for Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. You know what day of the week it is. It's Monday, and that means it's time for the Monday Night Football Preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's get ready with, for Monday Night Football with ESPN Eagles reporter Tim McManus. All right. Tim, let's start with the inevitable. I feel like we all have to ask about undefeated. Uh, is it fair at this point to even be having those conversations about this team? I mean, probably not with uh, <laughs> half the season to go. But, you know, it's uh, it's something that we can do. The team maybe can't focus on uh, the, the bigger picture and, and whether they can remain unbeaten, but but we can. And we can look at the schedule and, and look at ESPN's football power index and see that they're – projected to be favored in every game except for one uh, the remainder of the year, the exception being the uh, Christmas Eve game at the Cowboys, where they're only projected to be just 1.1 underdogs. And so, you know, the talk is certainly out there. It's growing. um, And the Eagles have obviously been very impressive to this point. So let's see if they can keep it rolling tonight. So, Tim, in order for the Eagles to go undefeated this year, they have to get by the Commanders tonight. Are these games that are supposed to be win really dangerous when it's uh, against a division opponent? No question. I mean, anytime you're playing a division opponent who you've already matched up against on the year, you know, it seems to get a little bit tougher. And the Eagles' schedule has been very strange, honestly. They they come off of a they're coming off of a Thursday night game against the Texans, so they haven't played since last Thursday. Their bye week was just before that. And so it's been kind of a a herky jerky schedule. That's been tough for them to get into a rhythm. So if you're looking to see, you know, will they come out of the gate with a little bit of rust after another extended layoff? That's something that you can look at and, and sure. I mean, it's a different quarterback under center this time now with Taylor Heineke instead of Carson Wentz. They really got after Wentz in that first game. See if Heineke can maybe escape a little bit more from uh, what was a pretty ferocious pass rush in the first time these two matched up. But yeah, anytime you got a division game, obviously that adds another element uh, to the to the whole equation. So Tim, if this Eagles team is going to falter, it will be because of what? Well, one thing that we can look at is their rush defense. Uh, they had a problem in the last game against Damian Pierce, the gifted rookie, and the Texans. And part of that we can say is because Jordan Davis was absent. Now he has a high ankle sprain and he's going to be out for the next few games. And we saw a a clear difference. And it's really been that way all year as when he's on the field versus off. And so the the Eagles rush defense has been given up about six yards per carry when Davis is not on the field versus a little bit over three when he is. And so that's a pretty big absence for them that they're going to have to overcome uh, so that's something to look out for for this one. If if they can if they start getting gashed on the ground by the commanders, then that can open up some play action. Maybe the uh, the defensive secondary has to bite down a little bit more. And so I, I would say if there's an equation to beat this team, it, it's it's through running the football right now. And Tim, one of the things I noticed with the Philadelphia Eagles is that this team is cool, calm, and collected. They don't let the highs get too high. They don't let the lows get too low. They pretty much stay even kill. How has this team stayed grounded despite? all of the hype uh, surrounding them? Yeah, I would say Jalen Hurts has a lot to do with that. It's just the, the way that he approaches life. <laughs> and uh, and certainly his craft kind of lends itself to that. He's, he's emerged as one of the, the key leaders on this team. And, you know, Doug Peterson, back when he coached Hurts, 
he was joking with Cliff Kingsbury before one of their games against the Cardinals, saying, man, I, I wish this guy would, like, show a little bit of a pulse sometimes. Like, he, he really uh, doesn't uh, show emotion, and he doesn't rise or, or go down to the ebbs, to your point. Um, and I think that that has been uh, critical for this team, as now all this hype is starting to surround them. But every time you talk to Hurts, it's the same thing, man. And he's just like, you know, we, we didn't play well enough. It wasn't up to our standard. And I think that kind of seeps in along with the messaging from head coach Nick Sirianni uh, to, to keep on task. That's something they've done very well to this point. Tim, you got a pick for us? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Eagles will win this game. I think that they're going to keep their undefeated streak going here. Uh, but, you know, as we were talking about, you know, against a division opponent coming off of kind of a – a weird layoff. I think that it's going to be pretty close, but I would say probably around a touchdown or so, but I think that the Eagles win. Follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore McManus. Tim, always appreciate your time. Enjoy the hype of the undefeated talk as long as you possibly can. It's more fun than the opposite. I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. Oh, we're going to milk it. No, no question. <laughs> Thanks, my <laughs> Thanks, friend. We guys. appreciate it. All right, let's get the other side of the Monday Night Football matchup. To do that, ESPN Commanders reporter John Kime joining us. John, I'm just trying to figure out how a team even focuses on football when there's constant chaos around them outside the building. Does, have you gotten any sense from the players on if what we always talk about is seeping into what they talk about? Well, I think here's the thing. Like, they're going to see it on social media, and so it's going to impact them that way. And they're going to, you know, so it, I think it becomes a little bit mentally draining when you always see it on there, and then your friends might ask you about it, and then we ask them about stuff. I don't know that they talk a lot about it amongst themselves. It's more just the outside circle that inundates them with questions or comments or whatever. So they've gotten used to, to be honest, it feels like every week we're asking Ron Rivera, hey, how do you keep the guys focused after situation X? And then it's always, does it, having gone through this before, help them focus now? And the answer is always yes. So they, they are, you know, as Ron Rivera has said this year, they're 3-0 and coming off of weeks where, where some sort of bombshell or odd situation develops. <laughs> That's a wild stat. Ooh, yes, it is. John, yeah. you mentioned the word focus, and I like that word because when I look at the commanders going against the Philadelphia Eagles tonight, the best team in the National Football League because they're 8-0, what's the main focus in order for them to get an upset over the Eagles tonight? Running the ball well, period. Because if they can do that, now I think they feel pretty good that they're going to be able to do that with Jordan Davis out. Uh, the numbers for the Eagles, are their run defense are different when he's in versus when he's out. So if they can run the ball well, they're going to feel like they have a chance because their defense is playing well. And the run is going to be important because the first game, the Eagles sacked um, Carson Wentz nine times. The protections are going to stem a lot from what situation are they on third down. Is it third long? They're in trouble. If it's third and short or medium, they feel okay. So if they can run the ball well, they can put themselves in favorable positions and things can trickle down from there. The question I have, though, is not, not just if they can run it well, but can they finish the point? That's going to be the harder challenge for them. One of my favorite players coming out of the draft was Jahan Dotson. I felt like in, in college football world, we spend every week running highlights on him. He comes back tonight. Obviously, yeah. to your point, they want to run the football. But what impact in your mind can Jahan have? Oh, definitely he can have some because – Obviously, they're facing very good corners in um, Bradbury and Darius Slay. And one of the things that Jahan does very well is, first of all, he gets open. He's a really good receiver, and, and it's a shame that he's missed these time, this time because people would see more of the production. He still has, he leads the team with four touchdown catches despite missing five games. But one of the things they want to do is try to run away from Bradbury on some of these crossing routes. 
Bradbury is very smart, can play it well, but that's where it's a situation where a guy like Dawson does that well. Terry McLaurin can do that well. So I just think it gives you another option to run certain routes um, that they feel can maybe lead to some chunk plays. So, he, I mean, he's a good receiver, and he's really good in the red zone. That's the other key for them. And so I think that's where he may have a big impact. And it's funny because he's only about 5'10". It's just the way he runs his routes. He creates separation wherever he is on the field, and, and it's been in the red zone quite a bit. He has three touchdowns in the red zone. Um, he's effective there. So that's where it's going to help a lot. Now, John, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you to give us your inner Miss Cleo, right? I'm gonna ask you to look into the future <laughs> for a second, right? After this game tonight, we're gonna go ahead and take this game away tonight. The next four games for the Commanders, you have the Texans, the Falcons, and the Giants twice. Right now, they're four and five. Where do you see them in regards of the playoff race? Do you see this team as a playoff team, and they could potentially make the playoffs this year? Well, because there's three wild cards, they're going to have a shot. And the way the NFC is, I think teams are going to stick around longer just because there's so much, I guess, parity is the word. Um, so I, I can, if they if they lose tonight, they you could easily see them winning the next two against Houston and Atlanta. Then they have the Giants. If you can split there, suddenly you're seven and seven, and then you have like then you have San Francisco, you have Cleveland, you have Dallas. Um, and so can they? win two of those, that's going to be hard. I, I, I just, I think they've hurt themselves with being unable to close against Tennessee, failing on the two-yard line late in the game, unable to close the game against Minnesota with a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Those are going to come back to haunt them. And so I think the question I have for them to make the playoffs, I'd want to see a more consistent ground game before I think that they have that kind of a shot. That's the question. And so until they show that, I think it's going to be – they could be right there on the fringe of it, but you, to push it over, they've got to get that consistent ground game. All right, John, give us a pick. You think they uh, do the impossible and uh, stop the undefeated season? I don't. I think, they, I think they play well. I think the defense plays well. I think they run the ball well. I just don't know that the offense can finish enough to pull it off, So, but I do have them covered. John, as always, we appreciate it. Follow him on Twitter at John underscore Kime. Doing the great work. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, guys. Don't forget, for a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. We got a bunch of peers that love their jobs, and we love that they do their jobs so well. It lets us do some good take, hot take, which we're going to do next. Spain and Fitz, Harry Douglas in for Sarah with Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out with my guy, Harry Douglas. You can tweet us both at Jason Fitz at HDouglas83. Only tweet me nice stuff, though. Still reeling after the Raiders lost yesterday. I don't want to talk about it. Harry, we haven't done this together on a Monday night, but we have a tradition here on Spain and Fitz Monday night. We like to take some of the best and some of the worst from our peers, the, the great people. In fact, we've played you before in this segment, but now instead of being the person walking up to be judged, you get to do the judging. It is time for Good Take, Hot Take. Boom, Hot Take, Hot Take, Hot Take. It's time to rate the takes of the day. Are they good takes? The season is over. <laughs> I mean, one game in. Or hot takes. This is why I called out and said Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP. It's good take, hot take on Spain and Fitz. All right, the objective is a simple one, Harry. They'll play us a take from somebody, and afterwards we'll tell them whether it's good or bad, and they'll play funny sounds. Are you ready, my friend? 
Let's go! Well, let's start with somebody you know well because you've hung out with him a bunch on his show. Keyshawn Johnson from Keyshawn J. Will and Max, which you can listen to every morning on ESPN Radio, had this to say about who he thinks the best wide receiver in the NFL is. Justin Jefferson, you could make the argument, and I'm sure many will after yesterday's performance up in Buffalo, that he could be the number one wide receiver in the National Football League, the best guy. I mean, I know Tyreek Hill's going to have big numbers, and I know he's in Miami doing his thing. A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's doing his thing in Philadelphia. But this young man, not the circus catch, but the things he was doing down the stretch to keep his team alive against the Bills is just unbelievable. He was out there doing crazy things. All right, Harry, is that a good take or a hot take? That's a good slash excellent take. I'm high on Justin Jefferson. The young man, the way he plays the game, his mindset. See, a a lot of this is about the mindset of the player. His mindset is that he's the best guy on the football field every time he steps out there. But not only does he have the mindset, he has the game to back it up. You talk about from his releases, catching the football naturally, getting open, being crafty with his route running, uh, he can cut on the dime and stop on the dime. He can beat you all type of ways. They line him up outside, inside, in the backfield. He's playing the role that Cooper Cup had in that offense last year when they won a Super Bowl over uh, in L.A. So I like Justin Jefferson as the best wide receiver in football at this moment. Oh, I can't disagree with wide receiver one, but I will. It's a hot take because I need to have something nice in my life, and Devontae Adams still plays in the NFL. Like, look, you know, I just watched a guy like yesterday that I kept thinking, man, I can't imagine what would happen if anybody helped Devontae uh, play with the fire of the gods. I do think we are, like, splitting hairs, whether you're talking about AJ, whether you're talking about Justin, whether you're talking about Devontae. There are, there's a group. There's a group of Harry Douglases in the NFL. There's a group of superstars in the NFL uh, that are emerging. So, you know, I, I, I think at this point, probably decent take. I just want to disagree with you. Speaking of Keyshawn J. Willimax, Max Kellerman, also on that show, had this to say about Aaron Rodgers and the win for the Packers yesterday. I think he saved the season. And the difference, like Tom Brady, you could see NFC South is weak. Even if they would have lost, they'd be in a tie for first. Goes out and gets the win. And they're they're looking better and better. But the Packers had lost five straight. The Vikings have one loss on the season. They just won the thriller against the Bills. Like, if they lose that game, season's over. The season's still alive oh, now. Oh, yeah. Good take or hot take? Ooh. I think Aaron Jones in that run game saved the season for the Green Bay Packers. I don't think it was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers delivered the football, yes. But if, if it wasn't for that run game being effective and getting after the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys defense, it wouldn't have happened that way. I, look, this is a hot take because nothing was saved. It only delayed the inevitable death of the Packers season. The Packers are done. Stick a fork in them. They're over. We shouldn't Ooh. be talking about them. If they had any quarterback other than Aaron Rodgers, we wouldn't be talking about them. See you next year, Green Bay, but your season is gone, 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 gone. <laughs> dead, 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 and more dead. I cannot stress this enough. The Packers season is over. How's that? Now I'm going to good take, hot take myself in about a week. All right. Uh, let's go next to the king of good take, hot take. If we gave out an MVP award, he would get it. Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst said this on Get Up about Justin Fields. I honestly believe Justin's play is going to warrant him getting into that conversation. Now, he is not going to win it with the way that Tua's playing and Patrick and all that stuff, but he has been so remarkable over this last month that you sit there and say that player, if he was on a team that was going to win more, would be in the MVP conversation. Justin Fields, three and seven Bears, MVP conversation. Harry, good take or hot take? 
That's a bad take, Fitz. <laughs> it's a bad take, because, and it's not because. It's, but it's not because Justin Fields isn't playing great football. It's because his team is three and seven right now, which is the worst record in the NFC. I, I don't think uh, a player can even – he tried to move the needle a little bit too. If he was on a team that was playing well, but he's not on a team that's playing well. He's on a team that has the worst record in the NFC right now, so we can't move the needle when it comes to the MVP race. Yeah, kind of like my mom used to always say as I was a kid, if my aunt had you know what, she'd be my uncle. Uh, there's uh, there's no doubt in my mind that this is a hot take. Hot, 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 hot take. Because Justin Fields can be great – but he's got about as much chance as the MVP this year as I do in the NFL. Uh, no matter how well he plays, uh, there's no shot that the Bears are going to be anything less than irrelevant for the rest of the season. So Justin Fields, the most important thing for Chicago this season was that they figure out if they have their quarterback. They did. So well, he has a little better chance than you, though, Fitz. Like, let's be serious. Yeah, he does play in the NFL. So that, that limits. I meant on Madden. Like, I might be the MVP <laughs> on Madden. Let's get one more. And it comes from Jay Gruden, former commander's head coach, saying this about Kirk Cousins. I don't think there's any doubt. Kirk's put a lot of played a lot of games, been a lot of key situations, and made some plays. You know, the knock on Kirk is probably the big games. He's had trouble in the big games, but uh, I think the supporting cast that he has now in Minnesota, the support that he has from his head coach, his offensive coordinator, his quarterback coach, is a perfect fit. Now, if they can continue to play decent defense, um, then sure they got a chance. They got the best receiving core, maybe the best receiver in pro football. They got one of the top backs in pro football. And Kirk's playing efficiently. And that's what you need. That's Jay Gruden, former commanders coach on Kenny and Carlin, saying that the that Kirk Cousins can win a Super Bowl with Minnesota. Good take or hot take? That's a hot take. I can't I can't get on board with that. Kirk Cousins, in my eyes, is the only thing that can stop the Minnesota Vikings from doing anything. Yeah, I think it's good take because I think the Vikings still have a shot at getting to the Super Bowl and winning that Super Bowl. Look at me peeing all in on Minnesota, mostly because I picked them before the season so I just uh, to, to win their division. So I just want to be right. <laughs> uh, I like being right. Uh, it, we'll keep uh, keep all the takes in line here. We always do. But we're going to go buy and sell some quarterbacks and coaches in the NFL and college based on what we saw this weekend. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas in for Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance gives you protection on the phone, online, or on the app. Get this 24-7 because, you know what? Things happen 24-7. Quote at Progressive.com. All right, Harry. I figure after the weekend we just had, it's time to take a look. Not just in the college landscape, not just in the NFL, but across all of it. I figure we could we could have a little stock market fun. Let's let's go through some uh, some of the bigger stories from the weekend in sports and figure out if we're buying or selling. You in for this? Sounds delicious to me, Fitz. Look at that. All right, Dev, Devin, producer extraordinaire. What we're gonna do is gonna have Devin give us the topic. We'll figure out if we're buying or we're selling. Devin, what do you got for us first? Oh, Fitz, do you really want me to tell you what I have first for you? Yeah, this might I make you a little sad. <laughs> I'm feeling I'm not gonna like this at all. Go ahead. All right. Josh McDaniels, your head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Are you buying or are you selling? I, oh, this is tough. Uh because here we go. Here's the thing. mm, Right now I feel like it's not a fit with everybody in the organization. But, yeah, I'm selling. I think I'm selling. It's just the play calling hasn't been creative enough. And, you know, what's really crazy is I watch the Dolphins and I see all of the incredible ways that they're finding to get guys open. And I'm thinking, oh, man, it'd be so much fun to watch an offense that had that much creativity, movement, pre-snap stuff going on. But, no, not happening. I think I'm selling. Uh, I 
I don't think the Raiders are going to fire Josh McDaniels, but right now it feels like it's been an epic failure. Harry, what about you? I am selling. Okay. Simple fact that you look at this team right now, I think they have underachieved. They're 2-7 and seven at the moment. And the reason why I'm selling this is because it's not like this is Josh McDaniels' first stint as a head coach. Mm-hmm. He was the head coach of the, Denver Bron- of the Denver Broncos. That didn't go well, right? We're not going to forget about how he played the Indianapolis coach to the left and then went back to New England. That's also on his resume. But when I look at this team and I look at how where he came from, from the Bill Belichick tree, right, it's not many guys that come from that tree have success. And Josh McDaniels is a product of one of those guys. I don't like where this team is right now, especially how they play hard for Rich Pistacia. Last year when he became the interim head coach, uh, the roster has turned over a tiny bit. But the offensive weapons that they have, I'm very disappointed in Josh McDaniels being an offensive-minded coach. So I am selling Josh McDaniels as the head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, this didn't start off well. What do you got for us next, Deb? All right, let's move to a coach on the college side, Lane Kiffin. Harry. Ooh, I, all right, so I am I am selling Lane Kiffin, and here's why. Like, at the end of the day, if not this year, then when? If you're Ole Miss, and the committee tells me Ole Miss is almost as good as Alabama, and you're taking on the most undisciplined Alabama team we have seen in a generation, an Alabama team that gets it in its own way, an Alabama team that commits stupid penalties, an Alabama team that drops the football, an Alabama team that makes bad reads, Ole Miss taking on all of that off of a bye week, and you still didn't get the win, and now you're telling me that like a school like Auburn might be looking at Lane Kiffin? Like, why? If, if you're going to go somewhere where you're judged simply on can you win the biggest games against the best teams, Lane Kiffin, in this opportunity, Ole Miss should have beaten Alabama. The fact that they didn't, I think, speaks. So I'm, I'm selling. See, I'm buying because, oh. yes, they should have beaten Alabama. We got to remember, though, Alabama does have the guy who won the Heisman Trophy last year in Bryce Young. When you have a player like that on your team, it doesn't matter how undisciplined you are. It doesn't matter how deficient you may be in the area. You have a guy that can make up for a lot of that most of the time. I'm not going to say all the time, but most of the time. And Bryce Young has been that guy. I'm big on Lane Kiffin for the simple fact that this run game from Ole Miss has been phenomenal this year. The thing that I think hurt this team is that when you force Jackson Dark to become a passer, that's when the deficiencies come because I do not think he is a great passer in those regards. Uh, We got an update. Monday Night Football, the Washington Commanders have just scored a touchdown. We are tied at seven each. We'll keep you updated on that as we buy and sell based on some of what we saw over the weekend from college football and the NFL. Producer extraordinaire, Devin, what do you got for us next? Next up, Jimbo Fisher fits Mm, buying mm, mm, something. Oh, man. You know what? Let me tell you something, guys. If I had a 90-ish million dollar buyout of my contract, I'd get up at noon, I'd take some edibles, <laughs> I'd go back to bed at 1. That's what I would do every day. I'd do an hour of solid work where I was, wasn't really worth anything the whole time. I feel like maybe Jimbo's been influenced by my work ethic at that point because it feels like he's doing about an hour worth of work and it's not on Saturday. Man, I'm selling all day, every day. The only reason Jimbo still has a job is because A&M can't figure out if it's really worth paying him to not work anymore. That is a glaring statement. The most disappointing team in all of sports this calendar year is Texas A&M. Selling Jimbo. Yeah, I'm, I'm selling them too. I've never been high on Jimbo Fisher because I thought over the years this off the offense that he ran was so stagnant. I thought it was so predictable watching the film. And Fitz, you know, I watch hours and hours of film. And oh my God, yeah. I think it's predictable. I know other coaches who are head coaches and defensive coordinators feel the same way. I also want to look at the regards of Jimbo Fisher, right? He's had top 10 recruiting classes the last three or four years. He had the number one recruiting class last year. 
and you're two, three and seven at the moment right now. That says a lot. His best year was his COVID year, and they missed two games that year. They didn't play. So who's to say that was going to be their best year overall? They, he hasn't had a 10-win season since being at Texas A&M. So I think he's underachieved since becoming the head coach of the Texas A&M Aggies. So I am selling him with the quickness. Uh, yeah, I'm buying what the transfer portal is going to look like getting out of A&M this spring. All right, Dev, what do you got for us next? All right, let's move back over to the NFL. Fitz, Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback, buying or selling? I'm buying Dak. Look, I know that it wasn't the result anybody wanted, uh, you know, for the Cowboys, but I think that we've just sort of – again, this is what we do. With every quarterback, once they achieve a certain level, we just presume that the, the cap is whatever the next level is. I said it earlier. We have spent how long trashing Lamar Jackson for his playoff performances while we build up Justin Herbert like he's the second coming and Justin Herbert has yet to even play in a playoff game. Like, we're sitting here saying that, like, Dan Orlovsky going to tell me that at some point that Justin Fields right now should be in the MVP conversation because all we've seen <laughs> is suck from him. So when we see good, we're like, oh, this is really good. Like, we are just mired in this, like, spot with, with Dak Prescott where we're holding him to a different standard because he's the Cowboys quarterback. I'm out. I, I, I'm buying Dak Prescott. If, if Dak Prescott were the starting quarterback of my beloved Raiders next year, I would not be upset. Yeah, I'm going to buy Dak Prescott, too. we got to remember, man, this guy's coming off an injury. He had injuries last year. I think his best football is still yet to be played once he continuously get acclimated to what's going on. Now, when I say continuously get acclimated to what's going on, we got to remember, when you take time off, you have time to sit back and learn. we got to remember this offense changed as well. So he's getting acclimated to everything. Uh, he had two turnovers. I think one of them was – a little bit of his fault, and also C.D. Lamb. You have a safety in the middle of the field. You must cross face. Uh, C.D. Lamb got to always expect the football. Dak Prescott probably shouldn't have thrown the football, but if he's trusting this receiver, he, the receiver has to do what he's trusting him to do as well. That that interception in the end zone, that was very inexcusable. If it's not there, just throw the football out of the, uh, out of the end zone, live the play another down. So I'm still going to buy Dak Prescott because I still think he's going to shine this year. All right, Dev, what do we got next as we buy and sell? All right, let's go with Alabama football fits, buying or selling. Yeah, so short term, I would sell like right now, but long term, I am I am absolutely buying Alabama football. Like I heard Greg McElroy and others that have turned around and said that this is the end of a dynasty. I, I just have a hard time finding that. Look, things have gone wrong and this has not been a good football team this year, but I, I just can't count out the talent that they have, the coaches that they have, Saban. I can't count any of that out long term. I can't explain why this team this year has been so bad, Harry, but it it just absolutely feels foolish for anybody to come in and say that suddenly Alabama is just going to be a, an okay football team for the rest of time. Yes, I agree with you. Got to give y'all an update. A.J. Brown just caught a six-yard out route against the Washington Commanders and came up limping. This might not be good for the Philadelphia Eagles. Just got to throw that in there. But I am buying Alabama football. I'm not going to give up on Nick Saban and this team. As long as Nick Saban is the head coach there, I believe in Alabama. Uh, Harry, if the Eagles called you tomorrow to come in and play, how, you, how many catches could you get in the game today? Fitz, right hell now. no, I won't go. Hell no. I won't go. I, I love my job here at ESPN. I'm I, having a ton of fun. No, I would, we all know your work ethic. You ain't doing one or the other. You're doing both. Like, you're doing radio from the sidelines in the middle of the game. <laughs> you're like, this is what I think. Dad, let's squeeze in one more real quick. You got one more for us? Uh, you sure you want me to do this, Fitz? Because uh, the next one we're going to do is Derek Carr buying or selling. Oh, man. What was your least favorite route to run in the NFL, Harry? There had to be one route you didn't like. I hated go routes. Okay. 
I feel I like him. right now Derek Carr is in a situation where if he hated go routes, he's only running go routes. It feels like a scheme. Uh, it's not a scheme fit at all. I think Derek Carr is going to have a lot of success for somebody not named the Raiders next year. I'm buying him long term. Not as the Raiders quarterback, but buying him. Well, I'm selling him as a Raiders quarterback because I don't think it's a fit between him and Josh McDaniels. I agree. But like you just mentioned, I will buy him somewhere else where the scheme actually does fit. Yeah, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna look really good as the Washington Commanders quarterback next year. All right, uh, that's a little bit of buy and sell as we go through the rest of the NFL action from the course of the weekend. But in the meantime, coming up, are the Dolphins not getting enough respect? We'll break them down, get you caught up on Monday Night Football also. Next up, Spain and Fitz, Harry Douglas in for Sarah Spain with Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Got about a minute 33 left in the first quarter on Monday Night Football. The game tied at seven each. Jalen Hurts with a little jump pass that results in a touchdown. And everybody that put money on the Eagles' money line in the first quarter feeling happy right now as they take the lead with a buck 30 to go in the first quarter. Spade and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Dallas Goddard with that touchdown, that six-yard touchdown reception. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out with you as we have been all night. Harry, you mentioned A.J. Brown limped off the field earlier. We should update everybody. He is back on the field or has come back on the field. So looks like whatever it was, uh, hopefully is momentary, uh, not going to be something that looks like it lingers. And that's important because this Eagles offense clicks on all cylinders. Yeah, I think one of the most important things and one of the most important trades was A.J. Brown coming over to this team. It gave Jalen Hurts that big body guy with an unbelievable catch radius. If you could just put it anywhere near him, he's going to go up and get it. Also, great job of having multiple guys that can be a number one, Devontae Smith. He A.J. Brown went out. He moved over to the left side of the field. Uh, Jalen Hurts tried to throw him a goal route. He didn't complete it, but he got a pass interference call, which led to that red zone, tight red zone touchdown to Dallas Goddard. I mean, you say one of the best moves. I say one of the dumbest moves of the offseason, and I think one of the dumbest moves we've seen in years was the Titans deciding not to keep A.J. Brown. And I'll tell you, it's not about the 22 or $24 million people always talk about. It's about $2 million because if you believe both sides in the discussion, they were about $2 million apart in what the, the, the contract should look like. So for a net of $2 million, you let a guy go that has now made the Eagles one of the best offenses in the NFL, while in the meantime, you're trying to develop a young quarterback. You have a quarterback your local fan base doesn't uh, doesn't believe in at all, and you got nobody helping anybody. You're just handing the rock to Derrick Henry. How different would we see the Titans today if they kept A.J. Brown? I think it was a stupid move by that organization. Yeah, I, I, think a, I think a huge difference. You look at A.J. Brown and the receiving yards that he has right now, and I think he has more than every one before the game this weekend everyone on the Tennessee Titans roster also seen this Tennessee Titans team last week on Sunday Night Football wishing that they had a guy like A.J. Brown but also I'll tell you the second dumbest move I believe is the Rams trading Robert Woods to the Tennessee Titans and you look at their offense the Los Angeles Rams and how they don't have a Robin to Cooper Cup's Batman and how they've been struggling in those regards so two moves involving wide receivers that I think have been I think kind of downslided for the teams that traded their wide receivers. Yeah, and it's just a reminder that roster development is such a like it's such a crapshoot. And look, Devontae's over with the Raiders; that's not helping them. But man, when you get it right, 
it hits and it impacts everybody involved in it. Now, one of the biggest moves we saw this offseason was obviously Tyreek joining the Dolphins. The Dolphins, uh, Tua at this point, has just gone off yet again. Uh, the Dolphins sit at 7-3. and three. So it should be – it's only half a game. But right now the Dolphins sit a half a game ahead of the Jets and Bills for first place in the AFC East. They sit a half a game behind the Chiefs for the number one overall seed. There's only one bye in the entire uh, conference playoffs, as we know now. Like, the AFC and the NFC only get one bye. The Dolphins are in a great position to be able to get that bye, and that's insane. When we're sitting here talking about the Bills and all their failings and what they haven't done right, we should also be talking about the fact that Tua has just continually been able to hit these wide receivers wide open, Harry, and the Dolphins have reminded us all that they belong in the conversation as the possibly the best team in the AFC. Well, and I'll say this. Tyreek Hill tried to warn us all this offseason, and no one wanted to listen about the accuracy of Tua Tagovailoa, the way he puts the ball. And it's not about having a strong arm. It's about throwing the football on time. That's what I try to tell a lot of people about Matt Ryan and his career. Matt Ryan's not a guy who's going to, you know, scramble right to the left and then throw it 50. No, he's going to throw the football on time. That's what we're seeing for Tua Tagovailoa. Also, that RPO game, no one is running it better than him. I think the Eagles are second in those regards with Jalen Hurts and those receivers when it comes to the RPO. But number one is Tua Tagovailoa in the way he delivers the football to those teams. And like I mentioned earlier, Fitz, if they can get this run game to be efficient like it was against the Browns in that defense and Bradley Chubb, in which we've seen how good they can be this weekend and holding a guy in Nick Chubb who's 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 amazing when it comes to running the football to under 100 yards, this Dolphins team is very, very scary. And I, and I, I bring back the three losses that they have, right? The Bengals, the Jets, and the Vikings all in a row. And the Bengals game, that's when Tua Tagovailoa got hurt and he went out early in that game. The Jets, they were without him. The, uh, the Vikings game, they were, they were without him as well. Uh, we see how much he means to that team, but he's throwing the ball on time. He's throwing with accuracy. He, he's throwing with anticipation. And he's throwing it where these guys can get, just run and catch, uh, catch the football and just run with it and get extra yards. We call it yak, yards after catch. They're also showing us that they have the method to win in close games, which in this year's NFL I think matters more than ever. I mean, look at their schedule. They have a four-point win over the Ravens. It was a big comeback. They have a two-point win earlier this year against the uh, against the Bills, which, you know, then you look at uh, a six-point win against a bad Steelers team, a four-point win against the Lions, a three-point win against the Bears. I say all of that to say they're winning the close games. Now, they have the Texans this week, but then it does get difficult. They have the 49ers, Chargers, Bills, Packers, Patriots, Jets. Whoever wins the AFC East is going to earn it. Like, this is the ultimate. We talk about this all the time in college football. Like, college football figures itself out. Whoever wins the AFC East is going to be because they figured it out because they're all playing each other in the last month of the season. Yeah, and I'll say another thing about the Dolphins is that I think Mike McDaniel is doing a great job of using motion, using shifts, and stacking these receivers so a defense can't, you know, press coverage these guys. But also you look at a Tyreek Hill, he's going to dictate what a defensive coordinator wants to call on defense because you can't just line up and play those guys man because they're too damn fast. They have three of the fastest players in the National Football League in Tyreek Hill, Jalen Wilder, and Raheem Moster. But I just love where this team is sitting right now. It is going to get tougher for them. They have the Texans, and the Texans is no slouch. Uh, the running back they got, Pierce, from Florida, Damian Pierce, he's been phenomenal. And then they got to go to Sam – they got a West Coast trip, but they go to San Fran, and then they're probably going to stay out there because they got to play the L.A. Chargers. 
Dodgers. I'm really looking forward to that San Francisco game because we do know that's the return of Mike McDaniel and Jeff, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert going back to San Francisco, a team that they played for previously. So I'm looking forward to that chess matchup between Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. Uh, those two guys, Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, you know they're left and right. I think when you look at coaches across the league, Mike McDaniel has been with Kyle Shanahan more so than anyone else. He's been with them all the way back to the Denver Bronco days with his father. So looking forward to that matchup. Yeah, I'm with you on that matchup. I can't give you the Texans as anything other than hot garbage. Like right now, uh, the, the Texans are picking first in the draft. And, you know, congratulations to whichever quarterback they end up liking. The Texans are just going to rip this thing down to the studs and start a complete rebuild. And then let's just see where it goes. It's, you know, something we talked about earlier in the show. But I think you got to understand, too, like some of these rosters are so deficient it reminds you of how bad it can be versus some of these teams like we're seeing tonight with the Eagles that have so much quality depth. But the Eagles did it by addressing a huge need in the offseason with a great move for A.J. Brown. The Eagles did it by addressing the draft. And I mean, we talked earlier with, with one of the experts talking about Jordan Davis and what he means to this team. Jordan Davis was playing for Georgia this time last year. Like you, yep. If you want your favorite team to get better, you got to look at the Eagles and say there's a method to it. You got to draft right. You got to get it right. In, in free agency it's not either or it's both and if you don't get both right then man you are you just you're going to be sitting in this island of, of like nothingness forever yeah some people may ask like why why is Jordan Davis so important to this team I'm gonna tell you why when you have a big guy like that to go along with the rest of the guys that they have on a defensive uh, defensive line you see the last few games they've been struggled they've been struggling against the run game a big guy in the middle like that who's sacrificing his body allows, allows guys like Kaiser White and TJ Edwards to hit holes and go through the hole and make tackles without being untouched because the second uh, the offensive line can't get to the second level because you have such a big body in there. Uh, Jordan Davis ran the 40 in 4.78 seconds. The most important part of that at the Combine to me was that he lost 40 pounds between the national championship and that combine for one reason, to show every team that questioned his commitment to health, to show them that he will do whatever it takes to be the best version of himself. That's the guy I always want on my team. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.